there, Colin Sinclair McDermott here, aka The Online Print Coach. Today I'm here at episode 3 of The Print Interviews, and today I am joined by Tom Wood of St Andrews Press. Tom, thanks for joining me today, how are you? Pleasure, Colin, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, looking forward to it. Excellent, thank you for joining us. I know um, you're just back from your, your wedding, actually, so can I... I'd imagine you've come back to a fairly busy time um, having some weeks off work. Yeah, yeah, I've had uh, three weeks off, although kindly the guys have uh, sort of given me a nice relaxed um, start to uh, to my, my uh, return, which has been good. So tell me a little bit about yourself, Tom. You know, what's, what's, what's your background and, and give us a little bit of a information about uh, St Andrew's Press if you can. Yeah, well, we're a com- commercial printer based in Somerset in Wells, which is England's smallest city or claims to be. And we, you know, we specialise in digital, uh, wide format, print management, fulfilment. We employ 13 people, uh, many of which have been with us for over 30 years um, and actually watched me grow up, which is quite scary. I'm the managing director and, uh, yeah, my role is is pretty hands-on. But, uh, yeah, I, I think we're, we're one big team. We're not huge. And um, we we all muck in, but yeah, my role when it when it uh, boils down to it, I'm the uh, head honcho, or the big cheese, as they like to call me. <laughs> and uh, you, you mentioned um, obviously being based in Wales. I had the pleasure of visiting Wales uh, recently. It's a uh, it's, it's a gorgeous. Is it a, a town, a city? It's a city, yeah, a yeah. city, yeah. Really lovely place. Obviously, all, all based around the cathedral as well. But I'm sure we'll we'll touch on that later on as, as we as we talk a little bit more about the business. One of the places um, I had the pleasure of visiting was a place called Vickers Close, which is adjoined to the cathedral, is that right? Well, yeah, actually, it is kind of joined to the cathedral by a, um, a walkway across, mm-hmm. across the road, which the, the Vicar Corps would have actually walked across from, from the street. So, yeah, it is joined to the cathedral, yeah. And and that's and that's where St Andrew's Press was initially founded in, in one of the, is it the cottages there? It was, yeah. So um, Vickers Close is the oldest residential street in Europe, so it's Primarily for the, the people that sing in the in the vicar choral who sing in the cathedral, my grandfather was one of. Um, uh-huh. So it was founded there, and actually um, by a twist of fate, um, our uh, design manager and he he actually lives in the same house that the, the business started in. So and he actually stands in the same position in the choir as well. I think looking at photos that my grandfather did. So yeah. If anyone um, anyone listening to this, um, you should Google Vicar's Close in Wales. It's um, it's a really quaint little street, kind of. It was a it was a it was a pleasure to get to visit that when when we when we were there. So tell me, obviously, you um your background isn't in print at all. Am, am I right in saying kind of IT management was was more your kind of background up until two thousand? Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I say I was I wasn't technically manager, I suppose, but I was a software tester, um, straight mm-hmm. product consultant, and um, yeah, I was I was testing um, housing and council tax benefit um, mm-hmm. software, which was pretty dull. Um, I had a great team, um, some great friends working around me, and that you know that was the only reason I continued doing it. Really, I didn't particularly enjoy it, so yeah, it was a big change. And, and was it two thousand and sixteen or seventeen? Yeah, January seventeen. Um, unfortunately, my, my my dad passed away uh, after a short illness, so I wasn't expecting. Um, Sorry to hear that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's obviously something that I wouldn't would rather he was still here, but um, but it it gave me. Ironically, the, the opportunity that you know that I I kind of needed really in a way mm-hmm. uh, career wise, you know, it would have been great if I'd had the foresight to say to him, you know, do you know what? Come on, I'm going to do this with you, or you know, yeah. just step back. But mm-hmm. I don't think I ever would have done that, and he would never expect me to do it. So it's, um, but it was a big challenge, and and it was, a, you know, he worked so hard. It was his home. It felt like 
you know, it was the only thing to do. If it if I didn't work, then mm-hmm. I haven't lost anything. Yeah. It's funny how sometimes good things can come out of bad situations, as is, is often the way. And, uh, and obviously you've kind of, you've taken the reins and, and, and taken, taken over a well-established um, family business. So, so when was it, when was the business initially founded then? It was 1952. So my, my, um, my grandfather, Arthur James Wood, he was um, he lived in London. He worked for the Times. Then war broke out. He was a captain in the war. And then after the war, he moved to Wales. He got a job in a cathedral singing. So he was a pretty good singer. And then um, he started his own little print business um, doing work for the cathedral, then, then the diocese board um, of finance. And that kind of got the business going and then he quickly moved to another premises and then quickly again to another premises that was uh, they were there for for about 30 years yeah so it's been 70 years plus now that's fantastic am i right in saying um one of the premises that um that you moved on to the customers wanted to come visit they had to climb a ladder to get in to see you. yeah that was the second place i think he was there for <laughs> six months it was in a car park of a, an old pub he had an old Adana press up there. Yeah, and they had, yeah, they'd uh, they'd come up. And, um, can you, can you imagine customers up. these days being willing to, to kind of climb ladders to come and to, yeah. come, to come and see you at the print company? No, you know, there's, there's, there's probably a few customers we wouldn't mind, uh, you know, uh, taking the ladder away. Having <laughs> every business has got them. Absolutely, and is, is if you if anyone goes back to. Um, Episode one, that's when Sam talks about divorcing clients. Um, so you divorce them rather than pull the ladder away from them, I think. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, and tell me, kind of, it may, it may well be the same premises. I know one of the premises, when you moved away, can I, am I right in saying there was a, a housing estate or something built? Can I, and the family name's been kept in tradition? There? Yeah, we, yeah, I think the, they sold the land and, um, yeah, the, the builder, I think, knew, knew them, uh, or knew my mm-hmm. family. And decided to call it Woodacre after sort of you know because my it was a it was wood there before mm-hmm. my grandfather chopped it down and um, built a house and then moved into the existing carpenters mm-hmm. building and then added buildings as the business needed it but mm-hmm. yeah it's a pretty ravishackled uh, business we moved out of there in ninety nine yeah it was it was an interesting building full of character. But uh, yeah, needed a needed a change at that time. The, the company's steeped in history. You can tell already, you know, in, in the last five minutes, you know, how much how much history is 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 embedded within the business. And from you, kind of, kind of, how how do you feel, kind of, the stresses and the pressures, if you like, of keeping that legacy going? Because that must that must be quite a weight um, to kind of carry on. And, and obviously, you want to you want to do right by the family, and, and and obviously follow follow strongly in your father's footsteps as well. Yeah, um, I think I, I don't really feel that. Quite so much now. I think at the start, I did feel the pressure of being sort of third generation. But to be honest, it was it was threefold. I suppose I wanted to take it on for you know the sort of sentimental value, mm-hmm. but I also wanted to change myself. Um, but I also wanted to make sure that the people who work for the business and been the backbone of the business for so long, and people that you know I knew, I, I, there's no way I could have said to them, you know, we're packing up. Yeah. And so, uh, and with you know, with their support, they, they couldn't have done it without them. No, no doubt about it. But with their support, feel like I've sort of, you know, um, I'm proud of what we've done. Um, we've pushed the business on from where it was, and I don't really feel that pressure so much now, just because of what we achieved in in the last sort of seven or eight years. Sometimes businesses in the end fail, but you know, due no, due to no fault of the, the the business itself, it's just you know economics sometimes, but. Yeah, I think now we're we're we've uh, earned the right to say, well, you know, it's down to us now. Mm-hmm. 
we've we've certainly done our bit. Yeah, and I've had the pleasure of meeting some some of the guys who've obviously been there for quite some time. Sally, she's been in the business for for how long? Um, she had a bit of a break, but I think um, she had about four year break. <laughs> Getting on for forty years, Steve. Well, I think it's probably over. Steve's been there over thirty-five years now. Um, again, as well. Yeah, a couple of guys who retired um, during and just before I, I I came were over forty years. Mm-hmm. Mo- you know, I, mean, I think Helen's twenty-five. Yeah, so it's it's quite it's quite something really. There must be a nice culture in the place, and I, I certainly felt kind of when when I when I was welcomed to, to into the into the premises, it was. It's a nice vibe, you know. There must there must be a nice culture for people to to want to stay to stay within the same place for for so long, which I'd imagine must be quite unusual these days. Yeah. Can, um, yeah. Would you say? Would you agree? Yeah, probably. I mean, I think my dad was a, a great guy um, and a pretty good boss, I think. And uh, you know, I think he, you know, we both would probably try to be quite relaxed and you know try to be quite flexible with people and uh, you know everyone who's works for us um gives that back in you know spadeful so um you know we we really do graft and i think you know incredibly lucky to have those guys really yeah definitely so as you maybe heard in the last couple of episodes um there's a little bit of tradition building on on the podcast where i can ask you to share something that maybe not many people know about you um, just so we can get to, to know a little bit more about Tom so I've, I have given you a little bit of a prime warning about this but um, go on hit us with it um, well there's nothing massively interesting I mean I love I love music I love sport in particular a guy um, who you know well called Jerry Cinnamon who I was gutted to miss out on his Hamden um, gig and uh, I try to keep fit but um, the sort of interesting part probably not many people would guess it um, who know me but I, I love musicals and my dream job actually wouldn't be playing cricket for England or anything like that. Um, it would be to play Phantom of the Opera um, or play Phantom in Phantom of the Opera, which I think if I said that to any of my mates, uh, they, yeah. they would take the mickey quite quickly. And, and I be, hope they're all listening to this. Yeah, <laughs> they absolutely won't be. <laughs> I did not see that coming at all. I did not see that coming at all. But uh, no, really interesting. Bear that in mind. I'll bear that in mind for the next time I'm down visiting in Wales. I think if anyone had seen us the, the last time I was down, kind of Jerry Cinnamon was definitely getting overplayed on the jukebox. For those that don't know, Jerry's a a musician from from um, not far from where I grew up in Glasgow, actually. Okay, excellent. Thank you for sharing that with us, Tom. Tell me, kind of, what would you say since since taking over the business? What have been the biggest challenges that you've you've kind of faced? And I guess how have you how have you overcome those? I think the biggest challenge was um, that we were you know. We've been going, it's one of our big strengths as well that we've been going, you know, since 1952. But within that, um, we've got such a big customer base split between individuals and businesses. And pricing has been, you know, a, a real challenge. Um, and, and, you know, do you try and completely standardize your pricing? Obviously, we've got a general way of pricing jobs. But, you know, do you try and standardise it or do you try and cut your cloth to, to suit customers and, and suit industries? So I think that that is, is has been and is a, a challenge. Mm-hmm. Customers' expectations are just getting, you know, more and more ridiculous. Uh, industry pressures, obviously, COVID with all the price price hikes. And I think, yeah, I think that's probably been the biggest challenge, but spread over, you know, the last two or three years. 
trying to sort of explain that to customers. I think most customers were pretty receptive to it, but where, you know, the industry is at certain points going digital and, and turning away from print, that perhaps did push a few people towards stopping printing certain products. Mm-hmm. So that that was a, a bit of a challenge. But I think the biggest challenge has been, has been you know, our sort of very diverse customer base uh, and, and trying to, to cost towards that. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a theme that definitely seems to to keep coming up when we have these conversations, and it's I guess it's it's having the right customers, the right blend of customers, the ones that are willing to to pay you what you're worth as well, kind of. And I think certainly over the last few years, I think there's been certainly we, we know ourselves kind of how often like paper paper was increasing kind of over the period that was it was changing every week at one point, but many many printers tried to consume those costs and not try to pass on to the customers at the fear of, of pushing them away. But, you know, like anything in the world, everything, everything's gone up in prices. Even if you go to the supermarket, you know, you're not paying now what you paid two or three years ago. And that has to be reflected across the industry as well. People have to appreciate and understand that kind of costs are going to go up and you've got to be comfortable as, as a print company kind of to be able to charge your worth and, and not feel kind of that you're selling yourself short because there's nothing worse than having a super busy month looking back at the end and, and realizing it's not quite made as much as we feel we deserve this month as well, and it's it's because you kind of we do we try and take it all on and, and not have it impact sales. But um, if you're good at what you do, then um, and customers will keep coming back time and time again, won't they? Yeah, I certainly. Yeah, I certainly think that's true. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's been the most pivotal decision of the of kind of moment of the business journey so far? Kind of like, has there been anything where you've had to kind of change direction? Obviously. You've inherited kind of certain systems and structures and things like that. Kind of, has there been any kind of like key moments where you feel you've had to actually take a change in direction for the sake yeah. of kind of keeping that legacy going? Yeah, I think a, a couple of things probably spring to mind. I mean, it's it's one of those industries. Also, the, the the way I do things just makes so many decisions during the day. There's probably decisions that I've made that have been pivotal. That I don't even know were pivotal, but. I think buying our first bit of um, finishing equipment, when I first started, we were really, you know, we we used to outsource pretty much all the finishing. You know, when I worked for the business driving, you know, and I used to just ferry pallets of paper around to different finishes. Mm-hmm. But that was just getting it was it was getting to the point where, you know, we didn't we didn't have any creasing in-house. So when we bought our first creasing machine, I think I just opened the floodgates and we were we were sort of um we were off then. We were buying, you know, um, at least a bit of kit every six months. And I think I'm probably a bit more gun-ho than my dad was. Um, although, so I think he probably would have reacted in the same way, but I definitely haven't got it right all the time with the kit. But I think generally we've got it right. And I think those decisions with buying kit at the right time, sometimes in reaction to work we've got, we've actually bought kit, mm-hmm. you know, particularly there and then, you know, had to get it in quick. And the other decision, I think, was to go away from paper job bags. Um, you know, again, we were, you know, quite old school with that. Although, you know, it's still out there. But we went to um, using PrintLogic, mm-hmm. which although, you know, it's it's got its flaws, but on the whole, it's a, it's a really good, really good system, certainly for the money you pay for it. And it just made um, – it just made everything – Initially, actually, I think it was it was slower for the first three months, 
but now we just couldn't do without it. Um, you know, jobs are through the system far, far quicker. You're not losing job bags. Um, you know, you, you can't cross something out on the job bag or miss it. It's whatever's on that system is is correct. And um, it's uh, that certainly made a big decision, uh, made a big difference, I think. And I, I'm guessing that saved a, a fair amount of time as well. A huge amount of time. Um, and um, I think the start of the year, we also had a bit of a, a bit of a refresh and um, we looked at, um, or you and me, we looked at um, lots of little changes in the business. Um, you know, they, they, some, most of them were very small changes, but put 20 or 30 of them together um, and you save yourself a huge amount of time. Um, people have bought into that really well. And I think we can certainly improve again on that. But putting that system in without it, you know, all a lot of those things wouldn't have been possible. So I definitely think that that was a a, a, a big um, a big change for us and, and one that everyone's really taken on board well, you know, because we're, our average change of the, within the team is, is pretty high. I would think it's one of the highest out there, but, you know, everyone's forward looking and is, is willing to take on change. So that's been great. I think that's probably the one thing that puts a lot of people off. Making changes like that is because it's not going to be plain sailing, certainly not for the first few months, but if you've got that long-term vision and um, you can see what the benefits are likely to be, it's absolutely worth it. It's worth, it's worth the investment and the, of, of time and money. You touched on it a little bit there, but not always getting the decisions correct. And I think it's one thing, certainly something I want to encourage with this podcast as well, because we all speak about the things that we get right all the time, all the successes. We very seldom speak about the failures. And um, I've certainly made a lot of bad decisions over the years as well, um, which is one of the reasons why I started this, because I want people to learn from these things. Um, it's why I, when I started the, the online coaching, because I want people to not make the same mistakes that I did when I, when I ran my print business as well. Have you got a kind of particular failure or a setback to the business that, that you could share? You think you know you learned a valuable lesson on it all? I think we, I, I wanted to. I had a bit of an obsession with selling online at, at one point, mm-hmm. and, and while I think it's not, you know, there's there's plenty of value in it. I was a bit naive, I think, to start off with, and we set up a a, a company or a, um, a brand name called Print Boom, and we were going to. We had an office in a virtual office in Bath, and it was all going to be, you know, we were going to sell online and um, and target that area and filter the work into the business and any work we we couldn't do in house, we were going to um, push that out. We built the, the website and everything, and we used a VB site, VB Media site, um, which is a um, a print um, selling platform, and a lot of it, <laughs> you know, we worked really hard on it and. Uh, in theory, um, it would have worked, but then you take into consideration that Google starts starting to hate uh, virtual offices, and you've got to pay a lot of money to you know, Google Ads and all those kind of things. If that was a, a, a new business from scratch, then I think we've made it work. But running that alongside an existing business, which needs you know a lot of updating itself, was really too much to take on, and. Mm-hmm. It didn't cost us loads of money, uh, you know, two or three grand. But you know, it, it was a it was a learning curve, and it made me. I kind of knew in the back of my mind, I think, mm-hmm. that I was getting it slightly wrong. But I was a bit stubborn. I needed to see it through. And sometimes you yeah. need to do that. 
I think sometimes you need to make a couple of mistakes, be positive, and um, you know sometimes take risks, but they need to be calculated risks. And I think you need to have no no real doubt in the back of your mind, mm-hmm. and and not forget the bigger picture. You know, the logo and everything like that, and how it looks is great. But at the end of the day, you need to make sure that that is going to you know you're going to get your return on that, and you've got either the work for it or you're willing to put the resources into to get that work for that bit of machinery or that print platform or whatever yeah mm-hmm. it sounds like you had a little bit of a google a google slap there yeah um, which, which, okay. which, which i hear of all the time um, and I, I think that that's again you've kind of you've highlighted again an issue that i see frequently where people will try and launch an e-commerce platform they'll do it under a, a second brand where really all it's doing is is obviously you're starting to spread yourself more thinly, kind of you're starting yeah. to split resources, kind of you're now having to market two brands, sell two brands, kind of devote more time, and um, very seldom, unless you've got the resources to throw behind it, bring in extra people, kind of put more time to it, it's not going to get the desired results. So kind of, um, I think if you're going to do these things, you have got to commit time. Kind of, again, I see kind of people putting new websites live and think that the the world's just going to land on the doorstep and they're going to start getting print orders coming through. And whilst in an ideal world, that sounds fantastic. You've got to work on it. You've got to promote that site. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it sounds like a lesson that probably quite a lot of people out there can resonate with as well, I'm sure. But thanks for sharing that. That's that's fantastic. How important, obviously, you've, you've touched on you touched on it as well. Obviously, we do, do we do a little bit of work together. And whilst I'm not here to, to promote my coaching services, I'm going to jump on the fact that you... You brought that up, but I mean, how how important has <laughs> absolutely um, how important has mentorship or kind of coaching been in your journey? And um, we've we've worked together over the last must approach in two years almost now. Yeah. Um, how 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 important has it been kind of for you? I've read through some of my dad's old notes and his old costing, and he was he had lots of books on business coaching and all that kind of thing. And I was very anti all that, and I am very anti all that. Because that generally represents um, to me a load of mumbo jumbo gump. And I can't really remember what actually made me have a chat with you, but I think it was when we talked for the first time. And I thought, he sounds pretty straightforward, actually. And, and we had a chat. And then when I realized what you'd done in, in the industry and that you'd been in a similar business, you know, you'd, you know, you'd worked in family business, you'd worked in a big, you know, online, but you'd done everything in the print, you'd run your own business. And I think then straight away you've got someone you can relate to then um, and who's been there. And I think um, then I was like, I was totally sold. And um, I think it's, it's been a funny one because it's, well, I sort of signed up to the thinking that we were going to go through a process of doing all these and it hasn't really worked out like that. And that's not, that's not mean a negative. It's just because um, I think the business has grown organically really. And, and also we, we bought, a small business in that approached us um, about 18 months ago. So I needed a lot of support, you know, doing that. And your, you know, um, advice was, was really a lot of the time. I think I was trying, I, I, I was saying sort of the right things. I kind of think I got it right, but having someone who's got the knowledge and the, and who's been there and done that just to sort of throw, you know, question me a little bit and throw a few curveballs in there, but also say, yeah, actually, I think, no, I think you're all right there. You know, I think, you know, you're, you're on the right tracks because there's no one who's doing that. There's no one making me accountable. 
and you know from a on from my own personal level from a mental health you know just just having that chat and every time i come away from the coaching session i think i just feel a bit more positive if mm-hmm. a little bit more clarity has been put into my um into my day i remember the very first time we had a conversation uh, i think we did a discovery call maybe like three years ago it was it was fairly um fresh into my the coaching business and um and i remember thinking i really want to work with this this guy and then he didn't come back to me. It was like several months later, and then we finally had that second conversation, and it's obviously led on from there. But like you say, kind of, I, th- I think whilst it's good to have that loose blueprint of this is how a business should run, everyone's at different stages, um, and obviously you've had a lot of not curveballs as such, but can obviously kind of you've had the opportunity to buy another business, so therefore you've got to you've got to kind of be a little bit flexible kind of as to how you kind of bend around that blueprint and make it fit for for you at that particular time as well and um no it's been it's been a good it's been an enjoyable journey so far actually and kind of yeah. to see yeah. the business come on leaps and bounds has, has been has been fantastic anyway no more no, no more pitching my coaching services i just wanted to to jump on that and, and i highly recommend it <laughs> <laughs> who do you obviously kind of you you work you're one of the work hardest working guys kind of I know in the industry kind of um, you you put the hours in kind of how do you how do you try and handle that work life balance because obviously kind of you like your cricket the football you're mm-hmm. newly married now so that's that's going to change things I would imagine a little bit how do you try and kind of manage that work life balance I think the fact that I've probably got slight ADHD tendencies <laughs> and I can juggle a lot of plates and um, yeah I, I think I do try and put the effort into work um, and my family and and all my hobbies and things but managing i think work was a bit of an obsession to be honest for for a while and i think when when you go into something like that you can't really make it a success if if it doesn't become a little bit like that sometimes mm-hmm. um you need to put the hours in and you know i never said no to a job i think that's one of my things I thought well, when I take it so I don't know enough about business I haven't got time to just do a business course or you know I don't know much about the print industry I'm just going to not say no to a job learn as quickly as I can and and get the jobs out there and if it means working till eight o'clock at night it means working till eight o'clock at night mm-hmm. obviously going forward I don't want to be doing that all the time and um, you know we've certainly improved that but I think I've got a very understanding wife um, uh, which helps <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah very and um you know the boys understand as well try not to take it home with me um which is sometimes a bit of a challenge but um i think that is the that is one of the keys i've got a short commute which doesn't help i think if you can you know drive around the block or whatever if you've got a bad day um that that certainly helps but it's never easy but i get so bored stiff if i'm sat on the bum um not doing a lot so um so it's, it's, it kind of suits my personality, I guess. Yeah, it kind of goes back a little bit to what um, Gareth and I spoke about on the last episode as well, just about having having that good kind of support network around you, kind of with the family, obviously, new wife and the kids and stuff, kind of support what you're doing, kind of, and got to know you pretty well, kind of. You, you do your bit, you kind of, you, you spend as much time with the family as I think you possibly can, kind of, um, and I think it's important that you do, you do kind of try and find that balance. Um, so yeah. that's off to you for, for finding that. So tell me, are you looking at any investments kind of in the near future to, to bolster your production capabilities at the moment? Yeah, we've got a couple of new presses coming in in about two weeks um, and another unit taking on next door. So um, so that's 
that'll well give us a lot more capacity, but also, you know, Clark and I was actually sort of running the presses in the evenings to keep them going, you know, because it was just we didn't have enough capacity. So mm-hmm. to have those new presses, um, you know, will will be a big step. Um, it, you know, we'll have a look, like I said, we have to take on new work as well. And we shouldn't have any downtime and investing um potentially in in a sort of IT setup really that needs a bit of work. And I think I'm always slightly after taking on one business who again approached us really. So we weren't looking at that point. But it's always something I think that's worth considering if you want to grow the business, if it's the right opportunity and you can amalgamate that business into into yours. Um and even if we're not we're not a huge business, um I think if if other businesses out there are think that's um unachievable it, it might not be you know which might be the right fit um even if you're a small business who's willing to to look at amalgamating another small business um you know that could work really well so how has it impacted the business so far since since you acquired that company it's been great i mean the guy um who now works for us uh, uh murray he's he's just he, it, the business was very similar in that um, a bit smaller, but he'd taken that on from his dad. Mm-hmm. He, he's a great guy. He can do it all um, because he's had to do it all. Um, so he's been a, he's been a great help to us in terms of coming to work after closing his business. But mm-hmm. but yeah, it's been really positive. We had all the kit to do it to do all the work, so it was really a no brainer. It it has made us at times busy to the point of you know being right on the limit and that's why you know new presses coming in will help but yeah it's certainly been a positive move excellent i'm really i'm really pleased to hear it what's 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 on the horizon what does what does the next five years look like for st andrew's press at the moment what's your ambitions i'd like to grow the business a bit more maybe another sort of 25 percent would be nice but beyond that i don't think i really want to go and, and grow it a huge amount more than that i think that's manageable um but it also means that I know everyone in the business, I can keep control of things and, you know, we don't have to start getting too corporate. <laughs> I've worked in you know, big, big, much bigger businesses when I was software testing and I hated it. I hate all that rubbish. I hate all the buzzword stuff and, um, you know, I, I love I love working in a smaller business. Okay. Um, so keeping that family family control yeah, about the kind of yeah. culture. But we still want to keep things moving forward. Uh, I'd certainly like to to build on the print for product, I call it, um, mm-hmm. so that the business which, you know, is printing um, things that have got worth to, to the end user, like greetings cards, you know, um, they've got a, a monetary value to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's um, something that we've done really well with. And, you know, um, I think we've got, it's, it's easier to put a process in place with that. You can put parameters in there. And everyone knows their cut of the the pie, if if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. If you could go back in time to maybe your younger self, whether it be a teenager, kind of when um when you had the opportunity to join the print industry then, but didn't, or when you took on the business back in two thousand and seventeen, what kind of piece of advice would you would you give yourself then that you now know? I think the print industry is. We, we like I said, we don't say no to many jobs. Mm-hmm. That you've either got to be like that, or you've got to have your absolute. You know, that's what you do, and that's it. I think there's no in between. It's, it's it's difficult to pick and choose. But in terms of one bit of advice, I think have proper breaks. The years where I've done, you know, had a proper, you know, 
two weeks summer holiday, shut down um, at Christmas for a couple of weeks. I've managed to sort of get through. My head's been okay, and you know, I'm struggling towards the end of that period before you go away. But then, you know, that really recharges you. The years where, for whatever reason, you know, we've had to move premises or whatever, I haven't had those breaks where I've worked during times where I've had the kids at home. That's horrible, you know. And in the end, you snap. And luckily, I've got the people around me that when I do snap, they pull me out of it and mm-hmm. it's fine. And and uh, but yeah, definitely have proper breaks. Yeah. Again, it's it's, it's one of the, the the key things when when. I initially sit down with a coaching client and kind of we, we get to the understanding what it is they're looking for to get out of the coaching relationship. And obviously the usual things like kind of finding more time in the day and kind of to work on the business, not in the business, the usual things. But nobody takes enough time out for themselves. And you need that time. It's important that you get to recharge and kind of unwind and, um, and, and take a step back sometimes so you can reflect on what's actually going on in the business and what changes you need to make. Yeah, and, and for people who control it, um, you know, I, I, it's difficult to let go of the control. It's actually never as bad as you think. You know, once you hand that over and, and trust the people who are you know, actually more experienced in doing what you do than you are, mm-hmm. <laughs> in yeah. my case. You know, I, the guys over the last three weeks have been great and they've just delegated all the jobs around and it's, it's never as bad as you think. So, uh, you know, take that time, make sure you, um, you know, you recharge the batteries because uh, then you can go again and you'll, in the next, you know, three or four weeks, I hope to, you know, um, be really committed to, you know, looking at all the parts of the business I need to. I wouldn't have the energy to do that if I hadn't had a break. Listen, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I know you've come back to a fairly busy period after after the honeymoon so uh, thanks for for jumping on and and just being so honest and kind of sharing sharing your story with you kind of it's a great business i love i love the the history behind the business it's been a pleasure to come come down and see it as well and if anyone is ever visiting the, the town of wells it's also known for which which movie was it again oh, hot fuzz yeah hot fuzz hot fuzz <laughs> kind of had to, i got to to kind of visit a few of the the, the places that were filmed in that movie as well when I was down, but um, it's a really, really nice place. I would highly recommend it if you're in the area. And I'm sure Tom would welcome a, a visit from anyone in the industry who wanted to pop in and say hello as well, I'm sure. Absolutely, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on, Colin. It's been great. And um, yeah, I'd highly recommend uh, your services to anyone in the industry who needs needs a hand. It's, yeah, it's been great. That's another bit of you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again for your time, Tom, and I'll catch up with you soon. Take care. Thanks,